The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and for the first time in a brand new era, it's 301 episodes, and I want to start by welcoming back Lee Shackelford. Mr. Shackelford, post-Thanksgiving, how are you? Well, gorged as usual. Um, no, just just terrific. Just had a great time with family and friends and glad to be back with y'all to talk about this extraordinary special. Indeed, indeed. And welcoming back our very own scientific advisor, <laughs> Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I am basking in the rays of the psychedelic sun. Indeed. <laughs> It's not good. That's yeah, I know. I know. I go a little crazy yeah, sometimes, but yeah. you know. <laughs> Speaking of crazy, I th- you know, guys, I love the meep. I mean, excuse me. I love the pating, but I love the meep even more. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I love the meep. The pating would eat the meep whole. But I have to ask Lee, there is something you like telling everyone who listens to Discussing Who, and what might that be? Just very simply, thank you. We know you've got a lot of things you could be doing, a lot of podcasts you could be listening to. There are even a hell of a lot of Doctor Who podcasts you could be listening to. But you've chosen to spend this time with us, and we are very grateful. And Clarence, since we are getting a lot of interest in Doctor Who right now, and assuming we have someone listening for the very first time, what might you tell them? I would say be sure to leave a review, like, and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. And also, please make sure you're following us on the socials at Discussing Who to, you know, if you have a comment about an episode, something we didn't cover or something you want us to cover or talk about on these reviews as we get these these new episodes, please hit us up. All right. And I want to back up and second what you just said about leaving a review Believe it or not, it does help, especially with Apple's algorithm, if you do leave a review. And if you leave us a five-star review, we will read that review on the show. So, gentlemen, just a little bit of information about the Star Beast. Of course, this is special number one of the three Doctor Who specials that are coming out in November 2023 and early December 2023. Overnight BBC One ratings have come back at 5.8 million, making the Star Beast the biggest drama launch of 2023 for the BBC Mm -hmm. and the highest rated Doctor Who episode since 2019. The, The last televised episode, The Power of the Doctor, in comparison, saw an overnight of 3.6 million, topping out at 4.4 overall. And according to Popverse, it is averaging between the second and the fourth spots in countries where Disney Plus is available. So thoughts, Lee, thoughts on overnight figures, what you expected, happy thoughts? Happy. I, I hadn't followed the numbers, so I didn't know. But that's that's very heartening. It's uh, it's all an experiment, isn't it? Uh, indeed, we, indeed. We are really out in new territory in a lot of ways, and uh, I know we'll come back and talk about that later about why why when Shooty's series begins, it'll be called season one, 
mm. and uh, some of the things related to that. We there is not an assumption that the audience, the majority audience for this, has has seen Doctor Who before. Um, so that's those numbers are very heartening. That's that's really encouraging. Clarence, thoughts? Yeah, I'm wondering if it's new people coming in or it's all the old people who may have given up or went, you know, to the wayside, coming back to the fold. Mm, people uh, you, who drifted away in the Chibnall years. Yeah, mm. you, you definitely have mm. the ingredients to bring all those people back. So I think yeah. that's kind of what I'm feeling. Mm. Uh, you know, bring some fan favorites back for this epic three-part adventure and let's see where it goes. Yes, indeed. And really quick, I want to give a shout out to two people in the chat. Wynn Grace, who is a constant person coming in listening to Discussing Trek. And also speaking of Discussing Trek, our fellow <laughs> co-host Larry Irby is in the chat as well. So welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. So, Lee, I want to point it back to you really quick. Mm. Speaking of the Disneyfication of <laughs> Doctor Who a little bit and a frequent co-host, a friend of the show, I think has given some feedback. And I want you to share that, our friend Nicole. So what were some of the thoughts that you've seen from Nicole? Well, I thought it interesting just because Nicole and I disagree about Russell T. Davis, and that's... Um, we we can respect each other's opinions, um, but she she was uh, saying, well, you know, RTD has messed it up again, and you can see because he's uh, I'm I'm paraphrasing and badly. I, I don't mean to put words in Nicole's mouth, but um, that there's no reason to say four times as this in the special um, happens that if Donna Noble remembers the Doctor, that she will die. Um, that that's just clumsy writing. I agree. It is clumsy writing, but I can tell you faux show that that did not, that was a note from the network and even showrunners and all screenwriters, they have, sometimes they have to take those notes and Disney really, really, really wants to make sure that people understand what in Hades is going on here with the, the central problem of this, this story. They are not assuming that, that people have seen um, that they know who the, the meta crisis doctor is or what, what that's all about. So yeah, the, the end result for all of us who know very well is why do they keep hunkering down on that? But it, it's, I, I'm a, I'm a little surprised there wasn't more of that actually, mm. but, but one of the results is that, that, um, um, prologue at the beginning. Yeah. That's which, very which weird. <laughs> it felt yeah. weird, man. It, it, uh, I was like, what is this? How we're starting this thing off here? It just felt kind of out of place, but it's, I can see why they did it. Um, it's not for us. Yeah. Yeah. They've even been doing these YouTube videos where kind of um, official videos where they're doing an explainer, get caught up on Dr. Who. Right. So yeah, they're trying to bring everybody into the fold. And I don't think that's, that's too big of a problem, but, but did they say it a lot? Yeah, but I was okay with that because there was a lot of stuff that I forgot. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, right, right, um, yeah. But it, it is; it's unfortunate. But I and maybe this will settle down <laughs> as the new series yeah. goes on. <laughs> they won't keep uh, saying, "Okay, the reason why the TARDIS is bigger on the inside." <laughs> we know. Well, not only that. <laughs> if you want to get caught up, don't stay here on Disney Plus. Pop out to. Uh, Max, the former home for HBO, and get caught up on Doctor Who as I did. 
Yeah. yeah. But if you think Disney wants you to do that, <laughs> eh. and, and yeah. you know, and go a little step further, even from Disney, you don't want to assume that other people even have Max. You know, forget Disney not wanting to promote another service, yeah. but it, we can't naturally assume that anybody not living in the UK has all of these. Brit boxes and Max and Disney Plus to get all yeah. versions or flavors of Doctor Who, <laughs> you know, and not having that one central place, uh, you know, to look at it. But before we Half really... the world is saying, is that HBO? Yes. Like, what happened to HBO? <laughs> so before we get into the story anymore, I think it is important for me to say, if you have not seen the Star Beast, Put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. (laughs) Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review the Star Beast. And because I just love this so much, and it's been a very long time since I've done an episode summary, so I'm going to go all out with this. And I'm going to say that the Star Beast is the first of three specials celebrating Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, first airing slash streaming on the 25th of November, 2023. It starred David Tennant as the 14th Doctor and Catherine Tate as Donna Noble. It includes the return of Jacqueline King as Sylvia Noble. Uh, Sean, wait, and I wrote, and I accidentally left out his name, so forgive Carl me. Collins. Carl Collins. Yes. I had Collins as the name, but Carl yeah. Collins as Sean Temple and introduces Yasmin Finney as Rose Noble and the magnificent Miriam Margulies as the Meep. The absolutely fantastic Rachel Talalay directed as we return to the gold standard himself with the Murray <laughs> Gold composing the brilliant music. Oh, and one other thing. This episode was written by the letters R-T-D. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> Brought to you by. R-T. Yeah. You know, I said in an episode, a bonus episode a little over the year ago, and now it is proving true. I said something to the effect, in the future, we're going to be brought by the letters R-T-D, and it is so true. Clarence Brown, summary view. What say ye? Oh, man, this episode did it all. It's pulling at the heartstrings, uh, reintroducing characters we've seen before. We have this mystery with why this face is back. Unfinished business, question mark. You know, and we also see the the message of inclusion in this episode, which I think it was well done, well placed. And, you know, it was just part of the episode. And I really loved it. Also, we, we have this kind of brainwashing leader thing <laughs> in this uh, maniacal meep. <laughs> so I thought that was fun as well to go from cute and cuddly to um, very menacing. So yeah, I, I really love this episode, man. I can't wait to dive into it with you guys. Lee Shackelford, what say ye? Um, can only uh, ditto what Clarence says. Uh, the, all those things. I laughed, I cried, I um, you know, white knuckled through uh, some scary, scary bits. And that it's what we want from our tea time monster movie, isn't it? 
Oh, um, yes. Yeah. So for me, oh, 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 what can I say? I love this freaking episode so much. <laughs> I, I came, literally almost came off my seat with the introduction. I was captivated from point A to point Z. I was there from number one to 100, whatever you want to call it, all 58 minutes. I was consumed. I was there. I was loving it. I couldn't have asked for better. So point taken, loved it. Just end of podcast episode. I loved it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it isn't the end of the podcast episode. So I want to start, Clarence, with you on this one. New opening sequence. Thoughts? Yeah, I think when I well, when I start to ponder what a Doctor Who opening can be, I think this is exactly what we want. To me, it had hints of the Matt Smith opening, uh, very much different and nothing like the Jodie Whittaker open, opening that we had. Uh, but I loved it. I loved that we had this little almost Battlestar Galactica scene where they're kind of panning in on the TARDIS as it goes through the clouds. So mm. I just thought it was colorful. It was fun. And, you know, for anybody who doesn't know anything about Doctor Who and they're coming to see and it's like, oh, oh yeah. we're in for a good time. We're in for mm. some fun, some whimsy. Mm. Lee, what say you? I, I, I want, I, I haven't watched this special as many times as you have, but I have watched the titles over and over and over again because it's very, um, I don't want to say Easter eggy, but there's a lot to look <laughs> at in it, isn't there? There's a lot of details that have been placed in it for our edification and amusement and puzzlement. And um, I, I'm just enjoying freeze framing things and kind of zooming in on stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun. I like the fact that what we see first is really organic. And just for a heartbeat, I thought, I thought we were through with the colonoscopy from, <laughs> from the last season, but, um, but no, what it is is something that's, we're not sure what it is like in the original, like 60 years ago. You know, mm. it starts off with kind of, what is that, you know, and then turns into something recognizable. So no doctor's face. Uh, yeah. It's all about the TARDIS. Mm. And, but, uh, but, yeah. but, you know, we didn't get a face until the Moffat era. So in the RTD era, mm -hmm. it was all about the TARDIS the last time. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go again. Yeah. You know, I take it to me, this, this paid uh, a tip of the hat to like you said, some of the classic era, it paid. I, I got a little feeling of the original RTD era, of course, mm -hmm. but I also get some feelings of the Matt Smith first sequence. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of the Matt Smith second sequence, and mm -hmm. I even got a feeling of when we would not necessarily end the Jodie Whittaker opening sequence but in the jody whitaker going flying through the tardis there was a shot that kind of was reminiscent to that yeah. so um all in all i loved it and i don't know how many times that i could watch it but i know for a good 10 to 15 minutes last night i just stood in front of the tv rewinding it watching it again <laughs> rewinding it watching it again for at least a good 10 15 minutes yeah. So however many times I can watch a 30, 40 second thing in 10 or 15 minutes, calculate that. And that's what I did uh, last night. 
So I want to add a comment from our friend Wynn Grace in the chat. He says, yes, that new title sequence was fantastic. And our old cool, our friend Ian Williams is also uh, in, and he is saying it is an amalgamation of openings. Yeah, that's so a good way of putting it. Very it is. It's, well. it's like a Doctor Who title's greatest hits. All righty. And uh, our friend Larry is also making some notes in the chat that we will get to later. But you know what? In case I don't remember to go back, I am going to show one of Larry's, which is, it had my heart when Donna spoke to her daughter and my heart melted. It was so sweet. Catherine Tate just brought it. That is uh, so true. So true. So I want to move now to the new Sonic Screwdriver. Lee, I'll start with you. Sonic Screwdriver, thoughts? Well, I think these are questions that some of us who have been with the show at least from 2005 have been having. New Doctor, does that mean we're getting a new TARDIS interior? Does it mean we're getting a new screwdriver? (laughs) Um, And because... This this doctor is apparently between incarnations or something. Does that mean that he that they get legit get a screwdriver? And um, I liked the fact that when we first saw the doctor come out of the TARDIS, that we cheated the interior. All we did was see that it's it's dark inside, you know, as he came out. And I thought, well, that's 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 intentional or not. That's the original series, isn't it? That's classic. <laughs> we could never see the interior from the outside. So we did not find out if, if that's David Tennant stepping out of Jodie Whittaker's uh, interior. We couldn't see. And then at one point, he's just casually using the screwdriver. We can see what it's doing, but we can't see it. And I thought that was a very good way of introducing that, of avoiding the question and keeping the story going. And then we're going to see it. And uh, I like it. Um, we don't, we don't know where it came from, but, um, but I liked it a lot. And it's got a couple of functions that we've never seen before. Mm. And, and, and like so often happens when somebody demonstrates a superpower or we find out they've got a gizmo that, you know, makes a big difference. Will we ever see it again? <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if you can make a force field with your sonic screwdriver, that changes a lot. That's pretty clutch <laughs> going. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to want to know. Yeah, I don't want to be saying later on, hey, why didn't you just make a force field in the air like you did from <laughs> back before? And, and the, the drawing the monitor in the in the air, I just think that's, yeah, intensely cool. So what, what about what about y'all? What do you? Yeah, I don't know if I got a good look at the actual design of it, but as far as the function, Yes, uh, we are upping the budget. Now we have floating displays created by mm-hmm. the Sonic, which I thought was <laughs> freaking amazing. And the force field, I thought that was cool as well. And we even got the little movement into the into the hallway. So that was that was kind of cool as well. We saw him open a door one time in this episode, I think, with the Sonic. So that's one of the things that always gets me. We can open a door too. We can't with the Sonic. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know. Um, I guess it's par for the course with the Sonic Screwdriver. But but overall, I thought it was pretty cool. Hopefully get a good look at it, you know, maybe in the next episode. Yeah. 
So I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I was expecting, I love the fact that you guys both liked it, but I was expecting one of you to probably say, oh, come on, it's doing so much, it's doing so much. So I actually had a counter to that, but I still want to read that. When we think of a sonic screwdriver, and we think of it when it was created back in the 60s, you know, we didn't have devices that could do a lot of the things that the sonic quote unquote could do. But now we have phones that can unlock doors. They can Mm -hmm. measure stuff with, you know, by pointing at something and measuring. Mm -hmm. They can send documents. They can play music. They can record video, et cetera, et cetera. And we even have VR headsets that can function as a virtual reality computer, quote unquote. True. So you've got to have something that, that the Sonic can do to up the game. So I thought that that was organic that it did that. And another thing that RTD does that I really, really, really love is incorporate other media. And if we were reading the backup comic strip for the past year in Doctor Who magazine, we would have seen the 14th Doctor choose his outfit. We would see, well, no, he already chose his outfit because it got chosen for him, but we would have seen his first adventure post-regeneration where the Daleks destroy the uh, 13th Doctor Sonic. So that was actually <laughs> told in the comic strip, which I thought is cool. Oh. In the chat, Wingrace has made the comment that, uh, wondering if this is, if we're trying to think more like Iron Man's um, a Tony Stark kind of uh, nanobot tech, that kind of thing, the gizmo that can do practically everything. Yeah. Um, with the observation, this is on Disney after all. Um, mm. and, and I hope not. That that's that was what I was saying. I don't I don't I don't want the, the screwdriver to do too much more than it already does, or for us to then conveniently forget that it can do that. You know, um, yeah. I, maybe maybe they are mass produced in the new unit tower that is <laughs> bought there you know got to give it to kate stewart she reached out to tony stark and used so. uh, tony's designs for the building yeah mm. but you know what i mean if 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 your technology or your superpower or whatever becomes so handy that it can do everything then we start having story problems i mean it's why kryptonite was in, invented in the first place you know because they kept adding powers to superman finally he could do everything there's got to be a way to bring them back down again. And and what we, and a lot of our franchise fiction, what we're inclined to do instead is just to pretend like that, you know, we always think about in the Phantom Menace that suddenly there are Jedis can move at lightning speed. You know, they got, <laughs> they use force speed. Well, that is going to come in handy in the future. No, we'll never hear of that again. <laughs> well, then what, oh, whatever. So, <laughs> so I want to pose a question based on a comment from Ian, which is, and I'm going to phrase this in the form of a question, should Mm. we go back to the Fifth Doctor era, be hands-free with no Sonic? Thoughts? It would be be a challenge, you know. I had had wondered if that was going to happen with the 13th Doctor, because almost right away we saw how handy she was. If she didn't have something, she would just flat out make it. And I thought that would be very interesting. But then one of the first things she did was make screwdrivers. So. 
But. And Larry also likes the, the new Sonic as well. Clarence, let me ask you this really, really quick. 13th Doctor, would we have rather seen her without a Sonic? Uh, well, just for the sheer notion of I hated how her Sonic looked. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 you know, several aspects about the 13th Doctor that I think may have been cool without the Sonic. The fact that we know she's kind of putting on the goggles and getting in there and working, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. You know, I I thought we were going to get more of that MacGyver type stuff from that yeah. doctor than we did. So maybe if she didn't have the Sonic, it would have been like a opportunity to do more of that stuff. But I don't know. I think it's just part of the doctor. Uh, and of course, we've seen it in many other forms as well. I'm not going to talk about the shades. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just it's just part of the doctor and it's always going to be there in some form. I have wondered if Shooty's got a ring because we, we keep that's... seeing, yeah, that's that's being featured in the publicity photos. So I, wonder. Mm. and you know what, uh, our friend Wingray says it would have been great to have had a much more hands-on incarnation of the Thirteenth Doctor, the yeah. engineer. That the would engineer. have been very cool. Yes. Yeah. You know what, you mentioning the rings, I want to bring this up really, really quick. This wasn't in my notes, but since you said that, let's talk about it really, really quick. An adventure in time and space landed with a new cameo replacing the 11th with the 15th. Thoughts? (laughs) I'll go first on this one. I think it's interesting (laughs) I also think if they would have done that with our previous doctor, people would have been pissed. So I don't know, man. I think it's cool. Uh, but, you know, to George Lucas, everything going forward, I think it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was it was cool. Oh, yeah. I didn't get you using George Lucas as a verb there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. We don't. Yeah. I just I just don't like that business in Adventure in Time and Space at all. So to me, it doesn't matter which doctor he yeah. looks up. Yeah, sees. you didn't like it the first time. I, <laughs> I don't know. It just <laughs> yeah. I you know I I agree that it doesn't really make sense because we know that that's not the first doctor. It's William Hartnell. Yeah. But but I do think it was a nice nod that you dropped that on the 23rd and it was a you know everybody yeah. that's already seen it is expecting to see matt smith and then <gasps> here's you know the official first appearance of shooty which i thought was really cool yeah, yeah. in in his full attire and let me n- n- tell you the guys coat. something that, that i noticed yes. about the coat. the coat so i have a image and i made since we're on video you can see on my phone i have shooty as my background with um you know in his 15th doctor outfit wardrobe whatever you want to call it so i'm sitting there with my phone as i'm re-watching the episode journey's end yesterday in between one of my watchings of this episode and i looked down and then i looked up and i looked down and i'm like that looks just like the coat that Donna wore. So I'm wondering if 15 chooses that coat or something like it, because it reminds him of Donna. Interesting. Just, just because seriously, I picked up the phone because somebody was calling and I looked down and, you know, and, (laughs) and then after I see shooty and then I look up and I see Donna again, it's like, Wow. That's the same thing, almost. All right, so since 
we're talking redecoration and changes really, really quick. The new TARDIS. Clarence, what did you think? Oh, man, we know I'm never big about the TARDIS interiors, but I will say, <laughs> I will say, I like the LED light type thing. I think mm -hmm. that's cool that we can like show all these different moods of the TARDIS. And, you know, I think they're going to have a lot of fun with that going forward. I like that it's spacious. It's very white and spacious. Yep. Very white. <laughs> Lee? Yeah, I like a TARDIS interior that you can play hockey in. Um, <laughs> it's big. It's very, very big. And uh, it has been confirmed that that is that that this is Shooty's TARDIS. So mm. we're not we're not they didn't appoint all this just for uh, these specials. So. So that's exciting going forward. Um, yeah, it's all so sterile, isn't it? It's but 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 the, wasn't the original? Well, version. that's it. We we know that it, it's meant to call back to, um, well, from from the third Doctor going forward. You know, the 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 first and second Doctor's TARDIS was all white, but. Right in black and white, maybe that wasn't as big a point to us. And, and it was always kind of cluttered. There was a lot of stuff, um, which I, which I quite liked, but, um, yeah, now this is, um, well, uh, I think Nicole was the one who said, sit down anywhere. Can we, <laughs> <laughs> um, we indicate any place where somebody can sit down. Um, you know, we'll have to deal with these things as we go by, but, but we went from a very cramped and very dark TARDIS, didn't we? Yeah. To something that is just that literally blew that up. Yes. And uh, that's fun. So, And you know what? I it... really like the fact <laughs> that we didn't have this in-canon explanation. It just changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. But, well, but... We, don't, we don't know where that screwdriver came from either. So, yeah. <laughs> Does it take a little bit of, of Shooty's Thunder to have it? debuted in the specials with Tennant. Yes. Mm. I think so. I, it's just add it to the list of things where this is supposed <laughs> to be Shooty's time and David Flippin' Tennant is getting to... I just, <laughs> David yeah. Flippin' Tennant. I, 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 so, I understand why they're doing it, but it's like, <laughs> you're not supposed to be the doctor. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and take an, a question that I had at the very end and move it to right now. And my question mm -hmm. is, will Shooty be at the end of episode three, or will Shooty be a major part of next episode and the next? I don't think he's coming in until the third episode, and I to the third special, and I hope he does then. So, okay, I, Clarence, uh, do we think we're going to see Shooty at all? You no. Know, yeah, before the before the end of this. Yeah, yeah I know. What you, I don't. I don't think we're going to see him. I honestly don't. Uh, I could be wrong. I think this is a backdoor pilot to get a degeneration series of every year we do a three uh, series or three show special where we degenerate to a doctor at their current human age. That's what we're doing here. There you mm. go. Next, Paul McGann. I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I have this feeling that, you know, because Shuti keeps showing up in this uh, regeneration-y type scene, and we've got that what the hell is going on here yeah. that we know has been shot that is 
not the same background as what it really is. So when we say losing thunder, I think he's going to have more thunder than we think he may have because I think he's going to be more involved in these two episodes that are coming up. You think he's in that, Dr. Purgatory or somewhere just <laughs> trying to get loose yeah. and let Maybe, me out? Or he may be somewhere in the wild blue yonder that we're going yeah. to be watching Fair enough, um, yeah. next week. But we're still on the Star Beast, so I want to now transition into the Temple Nobles and talk about them. So, Lee, I want to start with you. And, and you can take any Temple Noble character that you want, pick one, and talk about the return of one of them, or any or all, or whatever you want to take. Well, I made a note here that I really wanted to shout out to performances that I think would be easy to overlook that while everybody's kind of goggling at David Tennant and Catherine Tate, um, Jacqueline King as Sylvia Noble kills it, um, in my opinion here. And it would be easy to overlook Carl Collins as, as Sean Temple. And uh, I think both of those actors, they don't have a lot of screen time. Um, you know, relative to, to the others. But when they're on screen, they are completely engaged in what's going on. They understand, you know, what, what's important to them. They're under, they know how to get that across to the camera. And Rachel Talley, I think one of her directorial trademarks is that she loves the half-second cutaway to get somebody's facial reaction to something. And very often it's just, a you know, an arched eyebrow that says, really? You know, or just something like that. And a lot of directors would, would, would move past that. And Talalay really likes that. And team her up with Jacqueline King as somebody like uh, Carl Collins. And it moves the emotional center of the story so strongly forward. Um, I, just, I just can't say enough good things about, especially about the two of them. Um, they know that sometimes they're going to carry the whole story in their face for a half a second. And so they can do it. It's, it's yeah. Really, really glad to see Jacqueline King come back for this. Uh, really quick before I give it over to you, Clarence, Ian says, Sean, as he walks into the kitchen. Yes. Twice Smells more. good. <laughs> exactly. All right. Clarence, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Sean because for me, this character was so forgettable from um what journey's in is that the and what do we know yeah i i didn't even remember him at all i had to go back and watch it again um so from going that little bit part to coming here and having a a very important role and as you said lee his reactions were all on point and just i think what i really appreciate about this character is his acceptance of his family, you know, right. however how zany and kooky things are going, <laughs> there's there's an alien in the kitchen. Yep. <laughs> oh, let's go with it. You know, yep. something smells good. Smells good. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I you know just going from this this actor uh, Carl Collins, not even knowing much about him, and um, to see how he's grown over the last fifteen years, and uh, just kind of just has an excellent performance in this. And like you said, Lee carrying a lot of the story. And and how he treats his family, how loving he is to his family, 
how he's even willing to give up his last name for his family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I really like this guy. And, and you, you know, I wasn't what? expecting a role model. I, I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. But yeah, I, I want to be him. That's yeah, fantastic. He's cool. But, yeah. but, but you know, what, was, what I found so cool about him was, and the actor's portrayal, it's actually the end of time part one and part two that's when we see him. He has very few lines that are spoken in the end of time part one and part two it's mostly he's just there and he's introduced as donna's fiance and then donna's husband you know it's not a oh well you know here's the integral part of the story in this one he fleshes out that character makes him likable makes him real all of that and hands down Totally, totally loved that. And I agree exactly what you said, Lee, about Jacqueline King. She shows how her and Donna's relationship has evolved in the the 15 years since, how she's literally no longer snarky with Donna, but this protective mother hen type figure. I really, 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 really like yeah. that. So let's talk. Yeah, uh, 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 go ahead. If I may, and I don't know if we got a clear indication of this in the episode, but how how much do we know that Sean Temple knows about the doctor? Oh, and he's just going interesting. His, he's going this yeah. trial like it it's you know doesn't even bother him at all. I assumed he didn't know anything, uh, but uh, you know he's taking it all in stride, and and it's, so is Rose for that matter. It's mm. part of Sylvia's job to keep to keep her secret. Can she have even kept it from Sean? I yeah, I didn't think about it either, but I I I think he doesn't know. Mm. I, I could look yeah. at it either way. You know, I could look at it that she needed his help in keeping it well, because. And the reason I say that his line of "Ooh, something smells good" as he's sitting there looking at the beep uh, <laughs> attached to his wife's leg, and he's like, yeah. "Oh well." Hey, honey, I'm home. Something smells good. But I could also go back the other direction of, hey, it just doesn't phase me. I've lived with Donna for 15 years. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit Hmm. about Rose. And we see, you know, the what, what, what with the Rose introduction. And let me just say, going back and watching this again, there are so many freaking hints about Rose as to what there even with the first time we see her there is a big smiley face on her handbag that is a throwback to the episode smile from Mm. um you know the 10th i mean the 12th doctor and bill so just so many freaking um no, so, on, on my second watch, when we went to her shed and I saw that distinct pattern of windows on the shed, I thought, why mm. didn't I see that before? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, th- so thoughts about Rose. Did we even deduce that this was, did we even know that this, this was Donna's daughter? Do we know that going in? I I don't remember it. Um, I, I, I think I did because they re- revealed her name at some point as, uh, uh got you as Rose Noble or Rose Temple Noble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for me, the biggest thing was trying to work out the timeline. Like, oh, it's been 15, but shouldn't she be young? You know, I guess mm-hmm. the, the timing kind of threw me off a little bit because I, I guess she'd be a 15-year-old at this point in the 14? show. 14? 
at the most. Yeah. Yeah. Which it seems a little bit off, but, but be that as it may, uh, just to have this character that has all of these things locked inside her and is permeating through her subconscious into mm-hmm. these little furry creatures she's building into this shed, um, yeah. into her curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think that's just amazing unto itself. And and um, we'll talk about the other part to this character that helps out Donna later. But man, it's uh, just a shock to me. I don't even know if I realized it was uh, Donna's daughter. But but yeah, I, I love this character in this episode. Mm. So, Lee, I um, want to ask you a question. You had in your notes a uh, comment about what did the J-Boy Jason comment mean or that you didn't get that on the first thought. So what were your thoughts on that? Because I actually want to look up something while you're doing that. Okay. I did. He doesn't listen to me. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did have a lot of distractions going on the first time I watched the, um, um, the special. So I, 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 I don't blame the show, but I totally missed the Jason J boy thing. I mean, I heard it, but I didn't know what it signified. And mm, okay. I just, ex- I just experienced Rose as being a young woman. Yeah. I was having more trouble with figuring out that she's 14 years old. I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was kind of hung up on that, but I, you know, this is Donna's and, and Sean's daughter. I, I, I got no problem with that. The reveal that she's a trans person and those boys were dead naming her. Yeah. I, I had to put that back together retroactively and um, you know, it's, I, I live in the theater that this is not an unfamiliar world to me. Right. But um, I just didn't feel like there were enough s- story clues for, for most people. I'm going to say mm-hmm. most people in the audience to understand all of that. And then the conversation that should have pegged it all for us with Sylvia, she refers to a him in the past tense and then apologizes for it. And even there, I still didn't connect up. We were talking about Rose. I, I mean, because Sylvia's husband's gone at this yeah. point, we don't know what's happened to Wilf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there were a lot of other people who could have been the past tense him that, that she was, and then she was saying, Oh, you know, sorry. And I thought, what was that about? So I, I just wish there'd been a couple of more uh, breadcrumbs to, to help us, us in the audience navigate that. Cause it's important. <laughs> It is. It's a very important part of the story. Yeah. So that's that's the, my only thing about that. Mm. All right, Clarence, thoughts. Uh, I'm, I think it was. Uh, I, I I caught all of those points that Lee just mentioned, but you know, knowing the meta of who the character is or who the actor is before coming into it, I kind of I kind of yeah, saw not, it coming. Yeah. 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 But but you know, as far as that goes, maybe it was meant to be subtle on purpose. Although, like you say, you do need it for story beats, but um, for subtle in the sense of not not saying that we don't want to mention it or don't want to call it out, but subtle in the sense of, um, you know, it's just a part of the story. It's just there. That's just this is another character in Doctor Who. We're not going to put too much emphasis on it, but uh, it's there if you're uh, lurking deeper. But I will say it is, like you said, Lee, it is very important to uh, a particular part of the story uh, for, for the character. And, and she even mentions it at some point. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. My question looking backward now, back to 
journeys. No, what is the two parter where we have to St- stolen earth and Jonas journeys in stolen journeys earth in. and journeys in. Yeah. Um, was this a master plan way back then? that the word that Donna in the metacrisis gets hung up on, that is sort of, I interpret sort of the sound of her brain burning itself up, but she's, she's becoming a computer and everything else. And she says binary and she can't stop saying it. Mm. So well done. Was, was that, (laughs) it it never occurred to me that that was a seed planted. Mm. I don't think it was. I think it just became a convenient seed but let me let let me say yeah. this real quick though when since you brought up journeys in and stolen earth we we know in our timeline as viewers that it was 2009 2010 when we see those two parts of the end of time part one and part two it doesn't it could stand to reason that that could have happened a month or two or a couple of months from that which would make Rose be a little bit older than 13, mm-hmm. 14, you know, she could have a couple of 15, 16, 17. Sure. You're right. We're, you we know. are assuming some Ian Williams already said this in the chat, time travel, time travel. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're worrying about how old this person is. Hey, we yeah. first, we need to know when they were conceived. Let's back up a little. Yeah, exactly. So this, so this is what I looked up while I said I was looking up something. Hmm. I looked up the name, Jason. And I and I said, what what does the name Jason mean? And the original origin is Hebrew, and it means healer. And mm-hmm. what is another name for healer? Doctor. Doctor. And what was the name that she chose? Rose, the Doctor and Rose. That yeah. is just too freaking cool. Yeah. And because that's my stepson's name, and that we're very interested in etymologies and things like that. Yeah, that that one I did. No. So I thought, wow, the name that they had settled on to start with was literally the doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a clue. So, so I want to pick up a comment from Larry again. He says he absolutely loved every single Rose, uh, everything about Rose. He loved that they uh, let you know that she was trans, but also did not that did not define her. Right. I loved when Sean says, I got the best two girls in the world. Yeah. That was so yeah. sweet. God bless you, Sean. Yes, indeed. So really, really quick, I love the references to Neris and Susie Mayer. Another <laughs> two easy callbacks. Irresistible. Yeah. Yes. All right. Moving on, I want to talk unit for a moment. I did notice that they were a little bit more militaristic than they were in previous years. But again, hearkening back to RTD1, you know, because they were a lot more militaristic then. Clarence, what was your thought of Shirley and Bingham, Unit Scientific Advisor number 56? I thought she was pretty cool. I really loved the pimped out, <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, wow, what is it called? Help me out here. Her wheelchair, wheelchair, with, the, wheelchair. with the gifts. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. And, you know, I think it's just another nod to Doctor Who and inclusion by having this character in a wheelchair that's very important to the story and that is not hampered by any part of that. You know, when they get to go up to the spaceship and they have to go up to the stairs, she's just like, Oh, go ahead. You just get it done. Get it done. I'm yeah. fine. Don't let me be the problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And and on the second viewing, it, it struck me that the reason why she doesn't get taken over by the, the solar psychedelics is because she couldn't go up the stairs. Yep. She would have yep. been assumed like the rest of them. So, 
Yeah. It is part of a larger conversation. Maybe we can, can we drop anchor here for a second to uh, go for I know we're trying to move forward to talk about wheelchairs because, um, in um, our Children in Need special, we have established that we, we've got a new Davros, a new concept of Davros. And RTD says that what he's trying to do is undo some of the years and years and years of of uh, bad teaching of having movie and TV villains who are in wheelchairs. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, growing up, my association of uh, heroes in wheelchairs, of, of people in wheelchairs was heroes, Thanks to Stingray, I may say, but um, and some others. But, Charles yeah, Xavier. That's right. Yeah, I mean Professor X. I, mean, I yeah. So I, but once you're aware of it, you do start seeing it. And yeah, so he said, let's not have Devros in a wheelchair, shall we? And instead, let's have Unit Scientific Advisor, the 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 heir apparent to the role that the the Third Doctor created. Let's have her in a, in a wheelchair, and she's not confined to it it's just yeah um ian in the chat says when they when she said they they all they all have weapons in the wheelchair was she referring to herself i would say yeah yeah mm -hmm. and still appear man and but yeah so that's what's part of what that's about and uh larry also mentions don't forget iron yes right so yeah mm. wow. Cl clarence did i already ask you what you thought of charlotte i did didn't i yeah, you did. I kind of, yeah, I answered it already. All right. So my thought and my big takeaway from her was, while I love Osgood, I like the fact that she wasn't a fangirl or fanboy of, um, you know, the doctor. It was more like, <laughs> I'll get a bonus for meeting you. And more yeah. matter of fact, not like, oh, I'm the biggest doctor fan in the world. Yeah. Well, also, no, he, he says, you, you've been waiting your whole life. And she says, you wish. <laughs> and also knowing the faces too she she knew that he was kind of out of order there as he explained yeah. what was going on right mm. which for a time traveler that's that's a good trick but she 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 yeah i really love the casualness with which that started you know he understands who she is she knows who that is so yeah they just move on to the problem at hand that was and don't you just love how casual he just walked up and bebopped up everywhere and was like i'm the doctor and i can do what i want i said that, yeah, and you know, he, he he said as the ninth doctor, you know, that's my secret. I just walk around like people people assume I know what I'm doing. And, yeah. Except when his uh, when his uh, uh, psychic paper doesn't reset all the way. You know, yes, you could, you could run into a few problems. That is a that is that is a cute moment, and I really I really appreciate that. Yeah. Catch up. So so let's talk about the meep. And Lee, I'll start with you. Thoughts about the meep. Um, well, I want you. You said that's Mary Margolis, and I just wanted to mention uh, I am a huge fan of, of that voice actor, that uh, tremendous actor, star of stage and screen, and have been for many, many years. But um, the person inside that suit, and it is a return to good old person in a suit, uh, aliens. That is Cecily Fay, who is four foot eight and can kick your ass. Hmm. Um, She's an amazing, amazing performer. Look her up, Cecily Fay. Um, yeah, so and it's 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 quite a, a performance of gesture. Think about how many things about the meep are just about the way the meep is standing or, or holding their arms or, you know, uh, things like that. And so yeah, that's quite a, a deal. And then there's um, 
the puppeteer, uh, Brian Herring, was doing the voice on the set because there's an animatronic mouth. So we have to get all of that working. And then Mary Margolis, God bless her, comes into the studio and then adds that that tremendous vocal performance uh, afterward. Um, So there's really sort of three people playing the meep. Um, And I... I got a shout out to everybody involved in, Oh, and there's a CG layer on the face too. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so there's more people. And I just, I want to shout out to everybody involved in that because so many times you look closely at the meeps eyes and, you know, sometimes they're, they're swelling up. She's just about to cry. You know, they, they're, they're fair hunting me and they, they hurt my hand. Won't you be it's, my friend? It's, and and you know you it's almost on a subconscious level that the those movements in the face and there there are some CG puppeteers making that work and I if I had a hat on I would take it off. And you know I may be totally wrong here, but I think I read somewhere that they re- recorded Miriam doing her lines and some of the facial expressions that she made do- doing the lines were then tied into the CG. So that that made it even look that much more realistic. That is, uh, yeah, that's become standard practice once, and and was from the days of a Disney, um, you know, rec- filming people as they were recording lines in the, in the booth. So, uh, we had talked about beep the meep uh, from the comics, and that's just something that I was aware of, but I have not read Mm-mm. those comics. And, no, uh, so, I, so, I'm aware of them, but I haven't read them either. Okay, Windgrace was just asking in the chat if uh, if any of us had read them, and uh, but anyway, are, are those um, new comics or older? N- no, they're from nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, I was gonna so, say it's. So I'm wondering. The has been around. Yeah. 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 So I'm wondering if the story of they were these nice, cuddly creatures that went crazy by seeing the psychedelic sun was especially put in there for those people who knew the comic. And knew that they may have been some cuddly creatures in, in that story. So, hmm. well, yeah. I, I know that he's, you know, in the story, he was cuddly and cute until you found out that he was, you know, crazy and maniacal and whatnot. So, oh, really? Oh, so yeah. this, this, yeah. so this was no secret to you that the meep was going to go. Oh, hell. no, no, no. I knew that meep was as yeah. kooky and crazy as all get yeah. out. Well, let me say for me, um, I had no idea. The meep totally had me fooled. You think the doctor would know the meep was kind of bad, but still, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The meep, I just thought the way and the go to go to Lee's point, everything he said, the work that was put into the character, uh, when the character was mm. nice, it was believable. Yeah. You know, he's just a furry, cuddly little thing, and but when he goes bad, the change <sighs> in expression, um, the way he's standing and. Just the the shift in the eyes and the teeth come out. It's just like uh, well done, and even uh, gets taller. Yeah, puts right. you in the mind of of things we've seen. You know, like the Patine. Uh I guess Gizmo mm-hmm. doesn't really get crazy, but he spawns some crazy ish. Uh, <laughs> Moopsie, if you've been watching Star Trek, so yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's definitely in the vein of cute and cuddly. But I will, you know, cut your throat or <laughs> yeah. or worse in the end. Uh, and Ian, in the real world, people we know who who seem very friendly at first. Yes. At first. Yes. yes. Ian says that they put out a collection of the fourth Doctor Strips and that the Star Beast is a part of. And that was out very a few cool. weeks ago. Yeah. Mm. And Wingrace says that it was a fourth Doctor story in the right. comic. 
And Larry says that he loved the meep in the first half of the episode, but by the second half, he didn't really care <laughs> because he was so into the doctor and the Noble Temple family. That's a good point. Uh, you just, okay, we know this is bad, and, and now the meep is a problem that has to be dealt with. So, yeah, I, I think I, I did the yeah. same thing. I sort of said, okay, the meep is in the pod. We have to deal with this. Yeah, I, don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> just, just fix it. So really quick, I did a deep dive into the um, shed that, you know, we see in uh, the Rose's shed. So mm. while I went in and did my deep dive, I wrote down a couple of things and I noticed that in the shed, the meat holds a toy that is looks like the evil monster from the Satan pit. But I also noticed on the wall there is a drawing of a whale, and I take that as being the beast below. Mm. There is the, the raven. The other star beast. Yeah. The other star beast. Right. There is also a raven, and I think ravens were into In the Forest of Lights, I think was the name of that episode. There is a drawing of a creature that might be wearing a bow tie, or it could be <laughs> a something of a creature wearing a purple dress. There is a red telephone box that we, and I noticed that we see that several times in season eight. Hmm. Uh, on the board behind the meep, there is a reference to New York. Of course, that's Angels Take Manhattan, Delix in Manhattan, Cardiff, of course, tor Torchwood, and several Ninth Doctor stories. Sydney was where um, the doctor took Bill and the pilot. Whenever she was first uh, in the oh. TARDIS, wow. um, there's also when the meep is hiding, there appears to be a toy that looks like one of the stone ladies from the fires of Pompeii. So I thought that that was really cool. And there is a somewhere in the back, there's a th uh, thing that looks like the face of Bo. So I thought yeah. that that was cute. Yeah, it, it, it was. Why, I kind of wonder why even through subconsciously she would know about some of these like that was a behind the scenes video uh on youtube on the doctor who youtube it says uh, a tour of rose's shed and it shows like each of the characters in there and one of the characters is like a a, a little st a stuffed cavernista head <laughs> so i'm like how does she know about um, those yeah i, I, I didn't can see buy it all up to the point of the meta crisis but not afterwards no. yeah unless mm -hmm. unless there's something else going on yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. always have to leave room for that so i know we're getting up close to an hour now and we're we've still got a little bit more to go through so i want to talk about the wrath warriors and Lee, I actually want to point this one back to you first because you had a question, I think, about the Wrath Warriors. I really want to send out a uh, ring the cloister bell and uh, <laughs> and ask for people's help. Any people watching this or listening to this, those are very familiar to me. As soon as I saw them, I said, "Oh, that's the uh, that's um, what the heck is that? That is a that is a toy from my childhood." Um. And, and I know it's deliberate, that they are deliberately using that design. It's because, you know, later on it's going to be about toys and things like that. I, that can't be a coincidence. That is a design choice. The, the, the Warth Warriors are, that's, somebody help me. Because I, you know, 
it's been futile trying to search for it on online. So, I'm gonna. Is it the name anyway. or the design that's jogging your? The design, the 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 uh, the the legs, the, the the knees that go backwards, you know, relative to ours, the the immense red eyes and the stubby antenna. It's I, I recognize it immediately. I have a from thought. my childhood, but I, yeah, what do you think? So, Clarence, what do you think of the Wraith Warriors, and then I will, or the Wrath Warriors, and then I'll tell Lee what I think that where I mm. think he's getting that familiarity from. Yeah, one of the things I really liked about them is the fact that I, I love when Doctor Who is not afraid to be Doctor Who, because I think <laughs> these these enemies or who find out are actually good. In any other setting, they will look weird and out of place, and oh, that looks kind of goofy and corny, but. It really works, and yeah. I, I love it when Doctor Who digs in and does what it does best. And and I, and again, it works for the story. Uh, I love the flip of the script where we think they're bad, and of course they turn out to be good. Also, I had a question: the Doctor, when he was doing his impromptu uh, trial, he mentions that they had stun guns, but I'm sure they blew up the second floor of. <laughs> Yes, they did. Yes, yes, they did. I I thought that was a a that's a plot problem. Yeah, they 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 definitely blew up Donna's house. <laughs> so yeah. stun guns. Hmm, I, yeah. uh, <laughs> they stunned her house to pieces. So, uh, let's see. The uh, chat I'm seeing. Well, I want to give a shout out to Morgan Lee who is joining us in the chat for the first time. So welcome, Morgan. I also want to uh, say something that Wingrace has said, which is they look vaguely like the original Cayman rider suit. I'm not yeah. familiar with what that is. But, but here's... I'll look it up. Here's what I think they look like to me, hmm. is if you're a DC Comics fan, and specifically if you're a Dark Side, or Dark Side fan, they look like what I call his winged monkeys, the uh, hmm. parademons. But especially when they were flying, they had that yeah. look because the parademons have the big goggles or the big eyes. They have mm -hmm. the you know demon-looking face, and they have the bug-like wings. Yeah. Uh, and especially in the the Justice League, when we see, um, you know, the Dark Seed yeah. cut, that's Michael. where I kind of got that feeling. From. Interesting. I mean, we're getting characters from comic books in this in this special, so why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. All right. So Donna begins to remember. So let's move on to that. Donna begins to remember. Thoughts about Donna remembering. Lee, now actually, you know what, Clarence? I think I've pointed several things to Lee. Uh, Clarence, what say ye? Oh man, what's so great about Don Donna remembering and becoming Donna Doctor once again is you get to see Catherine Tate turn on that Doctor persona, which she did so well all those many years ago. And I'm, I'm always impressed any anytime you have a character on any type of show that can do the techno babble and um, and the way she commands it as if she were the doctor. I think, you know, again, anytime you get to see Catherine Tate doing that, it's amazing. Hmm. Um, getting to the reveal and also you have the heartbreak of the what they said, 55 second countdown of, of hmm. uh, you know, to, to remain alive. And yeah, she. Being back in that place, she loved it so much. 
and she needed to be there so much. It's like what happens after this doesn't even matter. I'm back where I'm supposed to be. And just think if someone took something from you that was so important to you or that changed you so much and just said, nope, can't have it. It's locked away in your memory. And and you get that feeling back. And, and yeah, she owned it. Mm. Lee? I I loved the writing of that, and I, and I thought her playing of it was perfection. That she gets it all back and immediately goes to a point of indignant rage, which is... The, the Donna Noble superpower. I gave, I away, gave away all my, my money. money. <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because I wanted to be like you. And having said that, now we can deal with the problem. We're going to say this first. <laughs> but now, yeah. And you know, and, and the larger story point that I really appreciated is that she and her daughter have both been spending all of this time in their lives for Rose, you know, their whole life feeling broken somehow feeling like there's something missing something you know misunderstood and tonight is the night they got it back mm. and you know how satisfying is that mm. you, you know i i'm sitting there and um and i'm listening to you guys talk and i'm thinking of our friend shannon perry who when mm. she sees this episode she's probably going to be just like me when, because I know she loves Donna as much as I do. And when I heard binary, 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 I freaking lost it. I yeah. turned mm -hmm. into a puddle on the floor, um, you know, at that point. Because when I heard that, ev everything from Journey's End to all of my getting on this podcast saying Donna Noble has left the library, Donna Noble has been saved. Mm -hmm. Just Donna Noble is descending. Donna, that's my new saying. <laughs> Donna yeah. Noble is descending. Uh, so it it was. It could not have been played any better. And a shout out to David Tennant when she says, "I'm just no one," and the anger, the frustration in his voice when he says, "No, you are not," yeah. was brilliant, brilliantly yeah. really done. Yeah, and I think we have to talk about David Tennant's anguish throughout this entire story of not wanting to tell her and trying to avoid her, giving the boxes back and walking off. You know, mm -hmm. he is doing everything he can to avoid the inevitable, but all things in the universe are pushing him to this point. Unresolved things that he's has come back to fix. I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to figure yeah. out why he's even there in the first place. We don't but, know, but. Yeah. But yeah, just the anguish when he's like, there's no other way when he's in that control room. And yeah. Uh, did, did either of you, were you concerned about once he has said out loud that her seeing him is not the same thing as her remembering him mm -hmm. and that he sort of, it seems to me like he sort of relaxes into that, that he can sit there and, and bandage the meeps hand and talk to them you know, he said he says, you know, that he and the meat compare notes about having two hearts and Sylvia is trying to stop this. She says, <laughs> he means metaphorically, you know, like being two months. The doctor's just looking like, no, no, I mean, I've got two hearts. And I like, seriously, are you <laughs> uh, how how comfortable are you with, the, you know, your your proximity to, to triggering Donna's memory? I, mm. I and it didn't play false. I just didn't understand it. I... Yeah, and, and she even mentions that 
Wilf, who we don't see in the episode, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure we're going to get into him, but she even says, oh, you should tell all these stories about aliens and spaceships, and that all stopped 15 years ago. So she feels as if everyone is keeping some important piece of information uh, from her. And, and yeah, she's she's been in, t- in torture for the past 15 right. years. Mm. You know, I... I remember, you know, going back and seeing Journey's End again. He says bye to her. You know, it's not like she can't see him. He said goodbye to her. Donna, I'm just, I'm leaving. And she goes, She barely noticed. uh, Yeah, and then starts talking about Susie Mayer. So, you know, and she wouldn't lie unless it's about calories. But, um, (laughs) you know, I, I really didn't have a problem with it mainly because I was just so freaking happy that I'm looking at Catherine Tate and David Tennant on <laughs> yeah. the screen in 2023. They could have been, you know, talking about whatever, you know, yeah. I would have been happy with that. Yeah. I know that we only had limited time with Wilf uh, as far as Bernard Cribbins. I, you know, I have read that he did shoot all of his scenes previous to, you know, him passing away. That said, I, 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 I know we're going to see him probably in the third special is when we're going to see him again. Thoughts about not seeing Wilf in this episode? Man, it, it almost made me think we probably should have cut that joke. Uh, what do you guys think? Although I thought it was a oh. good joke, but it's yeah. still when they... I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah when yeah. they went through that, it was, it was tough. It was tough, man. <laughs> Yeah, um, and you know, I, I guess the, an unrelated thing that I that I got hung up on watching it the second time through was um, if we're trying this hard, if Sylvia is working this hard to keep uh, any mention of spaceships, you know, aliens, the rest of the universe, anything um, from Donna, is that why Wolf is somewhere else? Mm-hmm. But now I mean, they did yeah, say he's you know, that, and he can't. And, the stairs. Yeah. Eh, excuse. Yeah. I just, I don't, you know, it, mm. it can, it can legitimately be both, but I wondered if it's like, he's 94 years old. He's going to say something. Mm. He can't resist it. You know, mm. I don't know. Morgan says in the chat, I absolutely cannot wait to see Wilf. I agree with that. We're I, right there with you. <laughs> I will say this. And again, I know that they shot this before, Bernard Cribbins passed. I so, so, so do not, as part of the story, it's going to break off all of my hearts <laughs> if uh, the character of Wilf dies in this third special. Even if it's, you know, a, a nice send off, I think that's going to make it even more heartbreaking if that yeah. happens. Yeah. So let's talk really quick. I know we're running a little bit long. We usually try to make it into about an hour, but but this is a very special episode. The return of Doctor Who. Yeah. Metacrisis resolution. Lee Shackelford, what say you? What were your thoughts? Binary, binary, non-binary. We were trying to figure out if there's an out. I did not want them to, you know, to wave a sonic screwdriver and make it go away. I didn't want us to pretend like it didn't happen. I didn't want us to kill Donna in the process, which seemed like a very likely way out of this as this story was going on. That was how it was going to end. Um, and it's 
the the force of this event that's happened to her has been blunted because she had a child and passed it on. Mm. Uh, I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll buy it. You know, that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, had we not spent time traveling with a um, someone who can regenerate, and, you know, and has a lot of Time Lord abilities because they were conceived in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. You know, once you've established that as part of this universe, I'll buy this totally. Yeah. So what? What about y'all? Did that? Did that? Was that satisfying to you? Or? Yeah, I think it worked for me. Uh, I, you know, yes, you're passing a bit, a bit of that genetic material or whatever material <laughs> yeah, down to your ground. offspring. Uh, I think it really worked. Uh, but I don't know, there's something about it that really, and I'm trying to put my finger on it. What I didn't really love, and I guess it made sense, and I wish we could have come to this resolution before uh, all those years ago, but it's a resolution now. Is being able just to dispense the energy from their bodies at the end of the episode, and that's how we're going to resolve um, having you know the doctor's energy inside us, uh, the time lord energy inside us. So yeah, um, it would have been. I guess we couldn't do that before. I, we hadn't thought of that, but it seemed almost too simple of a solution. But it it works. It works. Two heads putting it together. We're going to figure it us out. You know, we can yeah. do this. Women are smarter than men. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they say it. <laughs> so I had no problem with it whatsoever. I, I agree. It didn't feel like it was a wave of a magic wand. I like the fact that they used this actor's casting into the story, you know, and uh, interwove who this character's actor is into the story and they did it in a nice yes. way for me. I, I was totally on board with it. I agree a million percent Clarence with you, the gender shaming almost of the 14th doctor by saying, because you're male facing, you can't just let it go. Cause I know people of both genders that can't let stuff go. So, <laughs> you know, I, I get I get where they're going. So if I were to critique it in any way, that was yeah. the only thing that I could say. But at this point, I was so happy right. that they could have said, Ooh, <laughs> we, guess what? We're just going to say, snap our fingers and it's going to yeah. go away. And I would have been happy. You know, I, I don't, I, I think they could have done pretty much anything at that point, And I really wouldn't have cared because I, <laughs> you know, it was, you had given me what you had given me five minutes prior. Yeah. Nah, I'm happy with it at this point. Yeah, and it was cool to see Rose uh, with the Time Lord energy. Um, as we, I, I think we saw Donna do it once when she was trying to fend off the ma- master henchman. Yes, and, and you're right. She did. Uh, but it was cool to see her do it again, you know, get her old <laughs> her regeneration pose on. <laughs> This episode, I, I thought it was really well done. And I like the, what's the name of the energy? What is it called? It's not Time Lord. Archon. Archon yeah. energy. Yeah. Uh, I like the new effects for the Archon energy in, in this iteration, too. I thought it looks pretty cool. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Hopefully so, we'll be seeing more of it. So speaking of <laughs> possibly seeing more, who's the boss? Any thoughts? The meat says, just wait till the boss hears about this. 
I assume the celestial toy maker. Yeah, the mega yeah, goddess. That's my one. assumption too. Yeah, and I am I the only one who was surprised that the toy maker wasn't in this episode? Mm. I didn't I mean, expect some, to see him myself. Okay, at some point, you know, I sort of looked at the clock and said, "Okay, this is the toy maker's not in this. <laughs> There's no room for him in this story." We got okay, good. Moving on. I so, I kind of expected him, but I wasn't shocked. Because I'm, if I'm thinking about it in a three-part story, mm-hmm. I think we may have seen something that relates to him in the uh, psychedelic energy. Yes, the psychedelic sun energy came out of that, but I think that's a portal. I don't think what we saw when they opened the door was the psychedelic sun. I think that was a portal through which the energy came out. Or both. Or yeah. both, but but I think we will see that again um, when we get into uh, the toy maker. So let me ask you guys: any other thoughts that you guys had before we give into our favorite scene? Clarence, skimming my notes, skimming my notes. Yeah, no, I don't think I have anything you didn't cover. Awesome. So while you're skimming your notes, I will uh, say. Um, that Ian thinks that the boss is the setup for the next series slash season. That would be awesome if it was, mm-hmm. and that is very RTD. And um, let's see. When Grace <laughs> asks, who is the person Ooh. in Dubai buying all of Rose's toys? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could just be a fan. Or there could be a sinister purpose. Not a sinister purpose, maybe a celestial purpose. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Toys. And um, Larry also says that he has a rose theory that maybe because her mother was a time lord, it passed down genetically to her solar light river being conceived on the TARDIS and being able to regenerate. Yeah. If if I'm following that, I think, yeah, I thought we established that. Yeah, I think so too. So maybe I'd miss, misread or interpreted. So Larry, you can clear us up on the the next discussing track. Clarity. Clarity. All right. So any other things where, are we ready for our favorite scenes? Oh, very quickly. Geneva. Geneva Ah. says to go in immediately. One of the unit soldiers says, uh, hello. Uh, Geneva was the headquarters of the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. In the new series, UNIT is the uh, Unified Intelligence Task Force and seems to be British. Mm-hmm. So, hello. Hello, and, Geneva. That's all yeah, I care. And I, 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 if if we're be, if we're the United Nations Intelligence Task Force again, I'm all for it. And um, I don't know, but just. Very quickly, Geneva says to go in immediately. That's a throwaway line, but, you know, very carefully placed there. So fans of the original series are saying, yay to the return of the original unit. I know. All righty. So let's go into our favorite scenes, and I'm going to stick with you, Lee. Favorite scene, what was yours? I, it's, it's hard to beat that, um, you know, the, the moment we knew was coming, you know, when Adana's going to fully remember and it's going to save the day, but, but it's such a cost. 
And uh, yeah, I was, I was, nothing could have taken me away from the screen at that moment. Right. Yeah. That's, there's so much to love in this, in this hour of TV, but that, that's the top for me. All right. Clarence, favorite scene. Uh, My favorite scene is going to be when we actually get the reveal that Rose inherited the uh, meta crisis energy Mm. (laughs) and was, you know, she inherited somehow. I thought that's something I never expected. I don't know why we couldn't deduce this knowing all these elements. We didn't really put it together. At least I hadn't heard people put it together completely. Mm. But but yeah, that was a shocker and a surprise. And I was just like, wow, jaws on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of being on the floor, uh, practically <laughs> in a little puddle, I will say my favorite scene was binary, binary, binary. That that in that moment was my favorite moment. That entire sequence was my favorite scenes, you know, but yeah, yeah favorite all around. So favorite quote, Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Favorite quote. I actually don't have a favorite quote because it's been so long since we've been doing it. I forgot to get one, man. So I'll let you guys go ahead. <laughs> All right. Lee, favorite quote. No, no contest. You can wear a suit that tied up to age of 35 and no further. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yes. All right. So, Clarence, <laughs> I'm going to give you a quote since you didn't have a quote. Um, how about. I gave away my money. (laughs) My favorite quote uh, is binary, 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 binary. That killed me. So final rating. I'm going to give this five Donna Nobles descending out of five. That's my final rating. Clarence. Final rating. Hmm. I'm wondering, should I leave room for the next one? (laughs) I'm going to give this 4.9 psychedelic suns out of five. There you go. Okay. Lee, what say you? Uh, I'm going to give this five combustible hyperlines out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that is. I love all their double talk um, stuff inside the dagger drive ship. <laughs> All right. Larry is giving this five sonic five screwdrivers out of five. Yes. Well said. Well said. Bear tree. All right. So for everyone in the chat, thank you. This has been so much fun. You've made me enjoy being live for everyone in the chat. I have had fun interacting with everyone in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Gentlemen, thank you for the 301 episodes but specifically this episode i have been waiting years to have this much fun (laughs) talking new doctor who with the two of you it feels like david tennant and Catherine tate have just never been gone I know they're not here for long i can't wait to christmas episode we've got two more specials left And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us. We're glad that you're here. We appreciate your time on this extended length episode. Thank you for being here. And as always, we will be back next Next time. time.